You're listening to the Great to Greater podcast with Tiffany Rufino, where we talk about all things business and life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Tiffany Rufino, and I am here with the Yankee Stadium to my Madison Square Garden, Jeff Rufino. Say hi, Jeff. Hello. How's everybody? Uh, they can't answer you back in a place where you can hear them, so... They can in a place where I can read them. Oh, where would that be? That would be, yeah, we're starting off right off the top. Well, you're not supposed to call out a smooth segue. You know, I, I'm the bump in the road, so it's going to be... If you go to TikTok and you find you're the... You're going to end under- up being a bump in the road. <laughs> if you go to TikTok and you find the <laughs> underscore IO underscore shrink... You can leave us a message, and I will be sure to read it. Will you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see those messages. <laughs> um, everybody just really checking in on your well-being <laughs> and making sure you are not... Blink twice. <laughs> yeah, if you're okay. Um, which kind of works into what we're talking about today, really, is mental health and work performance. And this is a topic that is really huge right now with careers, with employees, with leadership, with management, with professionals, um, you know, mental health professionals out there. And it was also brought to us by a couple of listeners in different uh, scenarios and situations. So here's the approach that we're taking with this conversation today. The situation that was brought up a, a couple of times. And thank you to our listeners for reaching out and connecting with us and, and talking through what they would like to hear. Um, the situation really is that you have employees that maybe to, or maybe prior to COVID uh, and including the COVID period and now after COVID have uh, developed or experienced or Whatever the case may be, their mental health has been affected and it's affecting their life in all different kinds of ways. And not everybody really understands it fully. I think that's why, you know, um, doctors have a practice because they're always practicing um, different ways of treating people, helping people, supporting people and and that sort of thing. So not every behavior, not every... uh, not everything is diagnosed. We by no means are PhDs. So please understand that this is not medical advice or that we're not speaking to any mental health illness in a way that we're diagnosing anybody or that we are fully um, speaking to behaviors and and mindsets and things like that. Our goal here today is to talk about kind of where the root comes from um, for employees that are experiencing various uh, scenarios and then what's happening in the work environment that's causing uh, confusion with the leadership and with uh, employees that are not experiencing a mental health scenario that's affecting um, the work environment. Um, I think there's a misconception with what the um what the responsibility is of a workplace for mental health and while i don't think there's a hard and fast rule i'm not you know i'm not an expert in any kind of mental health um obviously but i do think that there is a huge benefit for employers leadership managers to have as mentally healthy no matter what 
um, industry you're in, but you want to have as mentally healthy a workforce as possible. And I think we want to convey to our listeners that by no means do we intend to offend or to make light of a mental health situation. We both have experience with mental health scenarios personally and um, you know, professionally, and we understand the severity of it. For the tone of our podcast, uh, you know, we'll we'll keep it light, but we do understand that there is um, a very serious factor to it. And um, so let's let's just jump into it. I just wanted to make sure that our listeners know the how sensitive this topic is, and so we will respect obviously uh, what we're discussing here today. Um, so the situation really is that. Some of the things that are happening with people that are customer facing right now is the fear of COVID, um, right? Being exposed to COVID, uh, there's the fear and anxiety of conversations about it because everybody has different points of view on what should be done with COVID and what should be done with vaccines. And we're not going to get into that today or at all because we're not politically based in that sense. And and that's not our intention. Um, But then there's also the, the personal aspects of it in that some people have been affected personally and lost people from COVID. And then the people that they face that, uh, you know, have an opinion about COVID again, that may, bring up feelings for the employee, you know, in that scenario or vice versa. It could be the employee who has strong feelings um, about COVID and they get into a conversation with a customer that, you know, may have lost somebody and there's a difference in beliefs of what's going on there. There's also, aside from COVID, um, there's, you know, a general fear of our society today of violence, you know, especially depending on what cities you're in. Uh, Shout out to like New York, Virginia, Florida for being our top uh, listeners uh, as far as our states go here in the United States. Um, But, you know, there's violence in the workplace. There's violence at home that transpires in the workplace or transfers over to the workplace from you know, unfortunately, domestic violence, and people are scared to be in uh, an environment that's not controlled. And I can totally understand that. Um, I understand all these things so far. And then I think that there's also, aside from those factors, there's more of an internal factor of people that are just fearful of their own performance and possibly a lack of confidence in what they're able to do and wanting to do right and wanting to perform well and get great results, whether it's in sales, service industry, office environment, in construction and law or like political areas or government jobs or things like that. But the fear stops them from being able to perform because if I don't perform, then I know at least I'm not going to do anything wrong, right? So their fear actually stops them from doing anything. And so just having like a a root cause understanding of why there there is this, um, you know, uh, anxiety that might impair somebody's work performance 
is going to catapult us into the next part of what accommodations are being made and then what the challenge is from there. And we say COVID, but that's just because that's the current very polarizing kind of elephant in the room that has been affecting us for the last two plus years. Well, I also don't think that mental health was really recognized enough until COVID because people were home and they were able to really work through things on their own or, you know, through uh, better health or a Zoom or, you know, connecting with doctors and taking time for themselves and taking a breath from the hustle and bustle of everyday life with work. And now that they realize, hey, I got some things I need to work through. Now they're back in an environment where they're, you know, where it was prior to COVID, but they have this understanding of themselves now. And it's like, wait, I got to put myself first. And for people who worked through COVID, there you have a scenario where maybe you're in a high intensity job and you're used to taking a lot of the like emotional weight and the uh, mental health strain and converting it into something. But when you are in a situation where, you know, when COVID hit, it cranked up the meter so high that it, it almost put everything in a beaker and put fire under it to, so that now you can see like, oh, there is an issue here. Mm-hmm. There's something I've been neglecting. And now people are kind of more aware of the need to take a mental inventory, take a self-assessment and, you know, just do some self-care. I think the the people of an organization or a business, corporation, whatever, got a hold of that. I think what happened was is that the businesses failed to uh, preempt that or be proactive regarding that. That was not something that I think they were as prepared for. I think the goal was is that when the world opened back up, let's go ahead and get back into getting our business in order. Let's make sure the storefront or the office, like everything's in working order. You know, it's like when you haven't used a car in a while, you want to make sure the tires aren't flat and that, you know, like everything still runs and we're still good, like, you know, with the outer part of the business, the brick and mortar. Um, And what happened was, is that they went right into, okay, everybody's going to be prepared to go right back into things just as they were. And that wasn't the case. And so businesses that did not um, have uh, employee assistance programs, or maybe something that was uh, added to employee assistance programs that helped with counseling or psychological help or psychiatric help even, um, didn't have the benefits to provide to employees so that they could get the assistance that they needed to continue with. Um, And then also the mental health profession, you know, was already lacking in enough professionals being there to support people that needed mental health. And so there's not enough people that are qualified to take care of uh, employees or employees and helping them navigate going back into the workplace because there wasn't training provided, which ultimately, you know, it would be difficult to provide that training in the meantime while all this was going on. So it's like this uh, perfect storm of, you know, the doctors on the back end who didn't even, you know, prepare for, oh, yeah, employees are going to have like a hard time going back to work. And then there's going to be business leaders that need that um, support, you know, mentally and helping somebody else when they don't have the 
education or training on, you know, how to help somebody with, uh, you know, their mental health. And then uh, even just how to deal with customers because customers have changed. They've changed from before, you know, uh, 2020 to now. And it's not that it wasn't like this prior to, it's just more prevalent now. You have a lot more uh, run-ins and, and what do they call it? This snag and grabs. I forgot the term for it, where they just like run in and grab as much stuff as they can from the stores and clean the shelves and leave. And employees are told, you know, just let it happen because your life matters more than, you know, stopping uh, somebody from stealing stuff. But at the same time, the employees, they're like, this is my job and I'm supposed to, you know, if there's no merchandise to sell, there's no me to be here, you know? Yeah. So like there's a, another perfect storm there. There's just so many different factors that factor into why an employee would have anxiety or stress or get depressed or be fearful about their future. Or And I'm not trying to give you reason, I promise, but I'm just trying to give you an understanding context and context of, of this conversation. So on the back end, what's happening is that businesses started to think of ways to accommodate employees that are really, you know, struggling because the businesses wanted the employees to stay and they wanted to support them. And, you know, that's the number one thing businesses that were able to, and, uh, that truly care are going to provide that support for their teams and their people. And so they, some options were, yeah, we we did add some things to the employee assistance program that doesn't cost money. So you can go ahead and utilize that, especially if you don't have like the health benefits to cover it. This is what we're able to do for you. Get free counseling and and that sort of thing, which is, you know, superb. They uh, are also able to offer something um not necessarily like a full leave of absence, but it's called an intermittent leave of absence where, you know, uh, you can work a certain amount of hours per week and it's covered and you're protected. Um, and you know, it's as you're going through your counseling or going through whatever treatment you're going through, it just gives you that time to do all of that without feeling overwhelmed and stressed. Uh, and then there's different accommodations of, you know, okay, uh, let's not make this a high stress environment for you. What do you need to be able to be here and feel that you're not stressed as, you know, uh, in a way that affects your mental health or that affects what you're trying to do to, uh, you know, strengthen your mental health or your well-being and let's work through that. So is it that you... Uh, stay away from customers for a while and we have you work in the back room is it that we have you do different office tasks where maybe you're not making the phone calls and having those personal interactions or is it the opposite do you need to be around more people do you need that interaction to help work you through um you know the anxiety so you get more comfortable and and work your way into things and you have that conversation now on the other hand of that you have employees that return to work that, you know, were in a position where they were able to return to work and not be affected with any mental health issues, you know, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy for them that they've never had to go through that personally, or if they did, they were able to recover and move on from it, or they're at a place where they're working through it and they're still able to do both. 
right? They're able to work and um, work through their treatment and it's not affecting their work performance. However, they see the accommodations that other employees are receiving and that's causing a rift in the workplace. And leadership sees the rift and they get it from both angles. And uh, that's one of the challenges. And then the other challenge is, is that sometimes leadership can't decipher if the employee who has accommodations is abusing the accommodations or if it's a legit thing. And so then leadership also can get jaded on, okay, so now what do I do, right? Like, do I just accommodate everybody and just hope I have a a team that shows up and and opens the doors? Or is it just going to be me working, you know, from open to close and covering the shop? Or you know, can I say something to these employees? Can I call somebody out on, on something that I think is not true? Do I even talk to the employees that are, you know, going through stuff like help? <laughs> and that's that's a lot in a nutshell um, for what to cover on today's podcast. But that's the situation um, if we're really just skimming off the top on what's happening and the struggles that leadership has in trying to stay, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, Switzerland and, you know, supporting employees on both ends. And then what conversations are they able to have and how do they have those conversations respectfully on both ends of the spectrum where everybody feels valued and everybody feels supported? I think it's probably among some of the most pressured situations you can be in as a business owner, leader, um, anything like that, because you're dealing with something that potentially involves, you know, and not to sugarcoat it, but life and death. If It's something where if you do the wrong thing, um, I think about like physical safety at work, right? And if you're involved in a situation where your job requires strenuous activity there's rules about take a break every x amount of minutes hold your ladder a certain type of way pick up with uh pick heavy oh, the ergonomics ob- you're talking yeah. about at work yeah pick up heavy objects in a specific way and this is where everybody has their arms crossed and they're rolling their eyes like seriously like we have to sit through this every month yeah yeah <laughs> and then they're the person that falls off a lot yeah <laughs> and and you know what? If somebody does fall off a ladder, there's an entire um, there's an entire infrastructure in workman's comp devoted to the physical ailments of people at work and getting them whole. Mm-hmm. And so, if you broke your foot, if you sprained your wrist, if you did got a concussion, any kind of those things, it's it's almost like second you know you second nature you just hey fill out the paperwork send them to the hospital send them to the doctor fill out the right stuff get them to be where they're healthy and then back to work Mm -hmm. and i feel like for leaders in a lot of environments there is not even remotely that same amount of care paid to the mental health of your employees so you you're left making a lot of judgment calls and so that in that case i would say it's very high pressure because while you have a lot of support for the physical side 
you know, if, as long as you're fo uh, following all the rules in your guidebook, you'll be o reasonably okay. So, you know, wait, just on that point, I don't think it's lack of heart. I think it's lack of understanding, uh, just to clarify, for for the leadership part. And I think you hit it on the head when you said uh, with the physical part, you, you, you know exactly what to do. And that's the same thing with mental health because you don't see it. So if you don't see it, you, you question yourself on, is this real? <clears throat> is this uh, something that is truly happening for this person and to this person or is it not because I don't really have proof of it other than what they're telling me and you know they could tell their doctor whatever and the doctor could write a note and then you know just give it to me and I just have to follow the rules and with the pressure on leadership to perform and get results and then you have half your team or a portion of your team that has doctor's notes that you're not sure you fully understand. And honestly, you're not supposed to because you're not supposed to sit in on these doctor's meetings and understand someone's mental health and, you know, what they're going through and what medication they're on. What you're there to do is to ensure their safety and that they're, they are following the rules that the doctor set out for them, that you're accommodating them based on the guidelines that your human resources and, um, employee assistance, uh, peeps helped lay out for you and that the employee, whether or not they're on medication and what medication they're on does not matter to you. What matters to you is, is their performance putting them in a position where they could be injured? Like if they're working with heavy construction equipment and you see them nodding off in the middle of like sawing a two by four, uh, with like an electric handsaw or whatever, I don't know what those things are called. I don't know how to use them. But you know what I mean. The blade goes round and round and they're sitting there falling asleep when they're supposed to, you know, be paying attention to what they're doing. Um, that's a conversation you have. You have a conversation about what you witnessed and what you see, but not a conversation with them about, hey, listen, what medication were you on today? What did you take that made you do this? It's more of, hey, I'm over here and I'm observing and I'm going through the safety checklist and you're about to cut off your hand because uh, you're falling asleep, I think you need to go home for the day and let's talk about this tomorrow. I just, I need you to be safe. Let's get you home safely and and ensure that not only are you just n not, not sending them home falling asleep, but you're making sure that they get home. Okay, you know, who could we call for you or do we have to get an Uber or that sort of thing and checking up on them. Um, so I think that's an important part of you know, just because you don't see the issues with mental health, it comes out in different ways. And that's really just getting to observe your employees and not making sure that they're just there doing their job, but that they're also, you know, consistent with how they're speaking with you, with how they're speaking to customers, with how they're doing their job and, and noticing the changes in behavior, because that's part of what leadership does. Because if you see the ship turning a different way than what the team is trying to navigate towards that's when you got to say hold on we got to regroup let's get this together let's create a plan so that we could go back into moving in the same direction and towards the same goal so i think you brought up a really good point and that kind of leads me to a question because it it's almost like for me i've never worked on a construction site but i know that if somebody's tap dancing on a on a steel beam <laughs> That's probably unsafe. 
And I think the, that's part of parkour. Yeah. Possibly, you know, I'm not sure. But if somebody's doing that with steel toe boots on, I'm going to say, eh, you probably wanna, don't want to do that. But even little things like there are people who've probably driven a forklift forever. I just learned a couple months ago, those things have seatbelts. What? That's in, that's crazy to me. My, my, my brother tells me that and I'm like... Do spoon lifts have a, a seatbelt too? <laughs> I have just the forklifts. No spoon lifts. Oh my god! <laughs> I walked right into that. Those are so, <laughs> so, what would you consider? Because you say like you know you don't see it, but in some cases I think you might. Right? Are are there any signs that you would have on the mental side for not when somebody has really like experienced an event, but something that can tell you. Maybe this person is tap dancing a little bit on a steel beam, or they're not wearing their seatbelt properly. But the men- what's what's the mental equivalent of that? Is there one? Well, I think that's not for the leader to decide because that crosses the line in almost diagnosing somebody and saying, you know, like I think that you're schizophrenic because you were talking to yourself while you were doing laundry. Meanwhile, the person was maybe like singing a song to themselves, right? So that's mm-hmm. assumption without um, the proper uh, qualifications to diagnose somebody. But right? what about at a, at a base level, even before, Just to understand like, that something's wrong? Yeah, before without, schizophrenia, before... You, without the of... employee saying in advance, hey, I just want to let you know I got this going on, I need accommodations, this is... Yeah, because my analogy is... If I'm driving a forklift without a seatbelt on, and I'm, so, I'm supposed to have a seatbelt, maybe I think, hey, I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't need a seatbelt. But you, as my leader, say, wait a minute, no. You're supposed to be wearing a seatbelt. So I don't think anything's wrong, mm-hmm. but you've identified that. And I'm wondering if there's a mental health equivalent where maybe you're not a mental health professional, but you say, eh, you know, let me... Let me take an inventory here and just make sure everything's cool. So, yeah, I think that it goes back to kind of having a, a, a check-in or like a touch base with your team. As far as, you know, all of a sudden I notice after 20 years that you're not wearing a seatbelt. Shame on both of us, right? Because mm-hmm. I would assume in a, a forklift role that you have to have some sort of safety course and licensing to be able to do that. And if there's a seatbelt there, there's a reason for it. Um, but if I don't consider that an identifier for me to go and have a conversation with you on let's talk about why like for the past 20 years you didn't wear a seatbelt like is everything okay are you are you just looking for things to hopefully happen to you like that's not a conversation a leader would have with somebody right yeah however if i see one of my employees that starts reacting differently than uh they typically would maybe they are more sensitive to smaller scenarios um, that they would have perceived as being smaller earlier on and now they're crying because they dropped a roll of coins and like maybe the coins spilled open or um, because somebody didn't bring them coffee in the morning because they usually do and that's you know it wasn't typical for them to like come in without coffee for them and they just forgot you know and the employee is constantly crying over things daily then i would probably pull them aside and say you know how are you doing what's what's going on talk to me and um let's let's see 
you know, uh, you know, if there's anything that I know of that can help you through some things, because here's what I've noticed. And you go speak to specifics. I noticed yesterday um, you accidentally dropped a roll of quarters. Not a big deal, you know, but listen, out of all the things that I've dropped in my life, a roll of quarters is you know, <laughs> one that survived. Right. And, um, you know, you ended up crying about it. And then, you know, the next day this happened and you ended up crying and then, then this happened. And typically, you know, things happen and I've seen you laugh it off. And now I notice that it's starting to weigh on you. So talk to me about what's going on. And I would just open the door for that conversation there. And it's up to them really what they want to share. And they're not required to share, you know, I I have this going on in my life. I have this, I have that. But sometimes people, especially like when you think of possibly domestic violence, you want to open up that door for them to feel safe to talk to you about things, because that is something that you want to make sure you go ahead and you jump in and you provide as much resources and help ultimately at the end of the end of the day it's their decision to go ahead and get help but um not only are you thinking about how can we get them to safety and and put them in with resources and have the work environment be that place where they can reach out if necessary you also got to think about the workplace too because that like i mentioned earlier in the broadcast like that can transpire in the workplace um if if their partner Uh, brings it there and then you have the safety of everybody to think about and you want to make sure that you're just uh, doing everything that you can and and educating your employees about the resources available to them but that only happens with a conversation right so it's to your point how do you know you notice you know are they shaking like are their hands shaking when they're doing their work a lot you know to indicate anxiety or nervousness, um, something going on there, or is it, you know, where you could just say, Hey, how are you feeling today? Everything okay? I noticed when you were doing this, they, your hands were shaking and, uh, just open up the conversation. They could tell you, I, yeah, I had eight cups of espresso. I thought it was caffeine, you know, just regular coffee, or I thought it was decaf. I didn't realize <laughs> they could tell you I'm on new medication or I may, I just didn't eat or I've been diagnosed with this, or they could say, yeah, I'm fine. And that's where you leave it alone. You just say, okay, just checking on you. Let me know if you need anything. Um, so you you got to be careful in, in not pushing an employee too much. Um, now, if it's my best friend or if it's a family member, the conversation is different, right? Like no, I'm pushing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pushing, you know, in a different way because it's a different relationship. But where it's a, a work uh, employee, like a leadership employee relationship, you got to uh, tread carefully just for both ends and, and being cautious of what you say. I think one of the things you, you said actually rung my, in my ears really heavy, and that is that it's up to them. Hmm. And I start thinking about why would they not want to say something? And then I think about, like, you mentioned dropping a roll of quarters and that hits to me like retail and the stigma in retail that if if you're not here for a couple of days your job is gone right well in the past yes today no well yeah because if you think about today obviously the the workforce is a little skimpier um a lot more companies are hurting to have people come in and work but the stigma is still there insofar as um, people who are working 
have this perception that they're uh, disposable, uh, expendable. And as I think that part of the culture is something that can change. And if a leader can address that, um, not just in the mental health field, but overall, it will uh, it'll, it'll go far. Uh, employees that feel secure and that feel um, that don't feel like at any given point they can be given the boot, they're generally happier. They're generally more productive. But but that can't be promised. It can't be because then but, it's not promised on the other side either. Because no, you're not but, promising you're not promising me as an employee that you're going to stay forever. That's true. But what I'm saying is, if you just for the narrow thing that we're talking about, if you have a um, a, a policy, I guess, um, if you have a culture where having an issue that you need to address or having a, um, a health thing, mental or otherwise, that you need to address is okay. And we encourage you to seek any kind of assistance that you need to get yourself healthy. And we're not going to use that as a basis to get rid of you. I think that may do, at least in the grand scheme of things, a little for that conversation. So when you go to that person, you say, hey, what what's going on? They may be even 2%, 3%, 4% more inclined to say, this is the issue that I'm having. or And even speak on it in general terms and just be willing to say, I need help. Here's the fun part, folks. This is where I tend to disagree with uh, my uh, Yankee Stadium guy over here. <laughs> In that I feel that gives a false hope because sometimes what they do have going on is the reason why they cannot stay. And so I cannot promise you that your job is going to be here even though you've got XYZ going on. And that reason could be because it either puts you in danger, puts employees in danger, or puts customers in danger. And what I mean by that is that there could be something going on where an employee uh, refuses to take their medication after they've been diagnosed and now they are extremely violent. And you know what? In a library, that's just not allowed. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like in, in those cases, it's just... Uh, this is something that we can no longer accommodate and or this may be something that it, it's it goes the same in a way for physical um you know knock on wood and and I don't wish any of these things for anybody please please know that but uh, let's say somebody goes on vacation and they go surfing and all of a sudden two sharks come at them and take off, you know, either or both of their arms and they were operating a forklift. And so now they can no longer come back to that job. So I, I can't promise that accommodation physically, just like if there's something going on with your mental health where um, it's affecting your job where you can no longer reasonably considerably perform as expected then we either have to look for a different accommodation for you in a different role if mm -hmm. it's available uh, that's something that i can commit to or we'll support you as you look for a role in a, an environment that can work with you on what you have going on and that could just be that we um give you a little more time 
to stay with the organization so you have a paycheck while we're supporting you with career services and being placed with like you know um, somebody to support you in finding a new job and that sort of thing but I'm I, I can't as a leader and I don't think leaders should ever promise that employees will be okay uh, and I think the reason for that is is especially now that's going to cause distrust because so many people weren't okay after COVID and uh, you know nobody knew what to expect and so everybody you know really thought that they were going to come out of it okay but you had like we've talked about in the past you've had employees that realized you know what this isn't my dream job I'm going to go do something else or they realize this is my dream job but I can do it for myself and not for somebody else or the business said we can no longer afford to operate at the the capacity we were operating at so we have to change that or, you know, businesses got bigger and they had to hire more. And, you know, I, there were so many different factors that happened that nothing can be promised. And we've spoken about that before on, on either end. Employees don't have to promise that they're going to stay there. And even if they do, we both know that's not the case. And that's another topic that we're going to talk about, like, in the future, because we have that, you know, planned out. And again, at the end of the day, it's up to the employee to make a decision on, what they're going to do to um, help themselves and realistically do they believe that this is a role that they want to continue performing and knowing what they know now uh now the challenge comes in when the performance is not uh not the performance necessarily but the accommodations may be perceived as being abused in that, let's say it's, I mentioned earlier in the podcast about intermittent LOA, right? Which uh, means usually that you're given a certain amount of hours that you're allowed to uh, not be at work and not be penalized for. Like, let's say if you're a full-timer, you're and um, you're allowed maybe uh, 10 hours a week to take care of mental health situations or doctor situations or whatever the case may be for what you're going through and you won't get penalized for not uh, marrying up to the hours that you need to maintain your health benefits or to maintain uh, certain work benefits and things like that it just protects protects you and your job right okay um and you might be granted uh depending on what your doctor says and what uh work matches up to with them let's say it's like 300 hours in a matter of six months that you're allowed to use uh and be versatile with and you know that's dedicated towards your mental health or your you know whatever you have as your treatment plan now it's up to leaders and the employer and also the employee to track those hours that are taken so that everybody's on the same page about how many hours are used so it's not a surprise when six months are up and you're you know you've used or not used your 300 hours but they don't roll over you know or it's not like back in the day when you have nights and weekends and the minutes roll over (laughs) um that's the 1900s kids and so (laughs) the abuse comes in when let's say it's strolling in late and somebody's coming in and they're like strolling in late but they also have their breakfast and they have their cup of coffee and you know it's just a matter of oh yeah I slept in and I had this and now I have this and I have that and that happens to be an everyday situation or an every other day situation or um, you know every Friday Saturday Sunday they're calling out 
or, um, you know, they're not working the holidays or work or coming to meetings or the things that, um, are not necessarily like the fun part of the job or, you know, the things that aren't the perks of the job, they are not being a team player on. And it wasn't prior, it wasn't discussed prior and it's becoming more of a pattern than it is an accommodation. From the standpoint of a leader, a business owner, manager, et cetera, and maybe less a manager because you may not be in charge of that decision, but from the standpoint of someone who is um, offering these benefits and accommodations, um, I think it's in your best interest as a business owner to calculate what does that mean? And so um, I think you mentioned 300 hours in six months. If the employee uses those 300 hours, similar to how they would use vacation time, if they use it in any way, like they're coming in 20 minutes late every day, that's that's their bank. So it's it kind of sucks, but you almost have to account for that, don't you? You have to account for the reasons why 300 hours is needed. Now, if it's something where the doctor writes, they need more sleep, right? They they need, um, they tend to sleep better during the day than they do at night, then that's a schedule change, mm-hmm. right? To accommodate that sort of thing, because it's not a visit that they're making and it's not an appointment that they're making. So it's, okay, let's go ahead. Let's accommodate that with a schedule change and, um, you know, this way we can avoid those moments where you're 20 minutes late and we could use or you can use those hours for the visits because that's what the doctor said in the note. It's like it's very specific in how these hours are supposed to be accounted for. It's not like sometimes they just feel like they want to sleep in and, you know, you might just need to give them five hours to like get themselves together. It's more of uh, schedule them on later shifts and then they also need hours to accommodate for Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays um, for appointments uh, for like, you know, a behavioralist and maybe their endocrinologist and then their primary doctor, like for any doctor's visits that they need to help uh, with their treatment plan or whatever's going on. So it's not just like, hey, use them however you want. Uh, And understand for anybody that's, uh, you know, the employee and and that sort of thing, this is really more government based than as far as what the intermittent LOA plan is, than it is, uh, you know, hey, the company just decided that they're just going to allow you to do this, that and the third, and that's all they're going to allow. So the process is that the employee goes to leadership and says, I need X, Y, Z. Um, I, I talked to my doctor, I need the paperwork to bring to the doctor and I'll bring it back to you and then we'll match it up with uh, what, how we could work through this. And they partner with Human Resources who handles this because a lot of it is HIPAA and confidential and very sensitive information. And so the doctor fills it out. It's all official. It, go, it passes through whoever your boss is, goes straight to HR. HR partners with um, not only like the legal you know, team, not to like share all your information, but just to make sure is the paperwork filled out in a way that protects the employee and protects the business, right? Um, Everything's legit. We have everything that we need here because it does have to get submitted. 
and then also employee uh, relations and, and matching it up with them and making sure that, hey, if there's any additional programs we could use to reach out to this employee, here's what we could supply to them. And then they go back to the employee and they're like, everything's approved, everything's set, let's keep in touch. Let's make sure that we're touching base on if it's intermittent, um, how many hours you have left, like what dates should we have check-ins on? And if it's an LOA, that's a personal or a medical one that we keep in touch because as um, somebody that goes on a leave of absence, your boss, your um, shouldn't be calling you or contacting you during your leave of absence. It's actually human resources is allowed to reach out to you to just, you know, check in on you, make sure that everything's going okay. But as far as anything work related, nobody's allowed to contact you regarding work. Um, so you shouldn't feel like nobody cares if they're not reaching out to you. The point of a leave of absence is for you to take that time to take care of you. So I think that gets confused a lot of times with, you know, the team, first of all, who wants to know like, hey, how's Jeff doing? And then the manager is like, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him. And the team's like, why wouldn't you call him when they're on a leave of absence? And then, you know, like how much detail do you go into and that sort of thing. So there's not supposed to really be a conversation that happens there. You're you're out, you're doing your thing, and the company's checking in on you to make sure that you're taking um, the time that you need to take care of yourself. What you do during that time is your business. It's like there's nothing that has to be accounted for on the company side other than the date that you come back and permission from your doctor that you can come back and that you're able to come back to work and you're good to go. Um, and so, uh, the challenge is, is that when somebody's abusing the intermittent piece, right, going back to that, that part in that, you know, they're strolling in, like, like I said, on all those different things and the employees see it, then they're sitting there like, well, why don't I just say that, you know, I need extra sleep or I have this going on or, um, you know, they start correlating. They said this. So if I say this, I'll get what they get. And it turns into this whole, why am I working harder than everybody else? And, you know, why are they still working here when they're not even here? I think the the rough part for me is the fact that as a leader, so I'll, I'll, I'll break this up into two things of what I'm thinking about. The, the person who is, and I'm going to put this in I'm going to do air quotes, even though oh, you can't no, see them. Not the air quotes. Yeah, the, not the, the person who's oh, abusing, man. abusing their uh, accommodation or being perceived to abuse their accommodation. If their accommodation says in black and white, because I mean, you, I think you detailed it pretty well. Um, you have to have X Y Z amount of hours in the morning so you can sleep. You have to have X Y Z amount of hours this day and this day and this day. If it doesn't account for getting coffee and strolling in 15 minutes late for the hours that we put you on the schedule already, right? Then then that shouldn't be part of it. Then it should be that's a that's a different behavior than what we've already talked about. That shouldn't be part of the of, of mental the, health behaviors yeah, that we were that talking sh- about. Yeah, that should be okay. We've seen you come in late 3 times already. You're a, the the stuff that we have for your schedule says this, but you're doing this. Do we need to revisit? And, you know, you assume positive intent. Do we need to revisit this and try to see if maybe we need to make another change? Mm-hmm. Or is there something else going on entirely where this isn't what you're supposed to be doing 
and now you're, you know, subject to some other kind of conversation. I think that's uh, to interrupt you is a good call out. <laughs> and again, I'm I'm not in a position where I'm a, a, a doctor. However, uh, being in the field of psychology, I'm aware of the different disorders, you know, that are, and I have the DSM that I could refer to, but somebody could all of a sudden start disassociating from the role that they have, uh, and just from people in general and, and go into a phase where it's just almost like you, you just block everything out and you're just going through the motions and you don't even realize the time of day, or you don't realize what, you know, day it is or what you're supposed to be doing. And you go into work and you're not even wearing your uniform. You're still in your pajamas or, you know, whatever the case may be. And it's not a matter of this is part of the accommodation. It's a matter of, no, this is a new uh, mental health scenario that happened that could have been caused maybe by medication that they're taking that could be caused as just an addition to, um, and, and now it's being noticed, uh, it, it could just be something that they have, you know, going on in their mindset and that they're aware of or not aware of, you don't know. But I think having that conversation and pointing out, Hey, this is what's been going on. And, and I just wanted to have this conversation with you is, is crucial instead of assuming a negative intent. And so one thing that I've done in the past is, you know, in dealing with, uh, not dealing, but in having these conversations with people and you got to remember everybody's human and they are people and you're having a heart to heart when it comes to matters like these. And this is why emotional intelligence is so big in business. And, you know, if you have the opportunity to pick up the emotional strengths and understanding what your strengths are and working through what your emotional IQ is and that sort of thing, that's that's huge for business learnings and, and being in leadership, but also working with other people and growing in business. Um, but having that conversation and sitting down and saying, okay, now that, you know, thank you for being open with me. Thank you for sharing with me what's going on and, and what your plan is. And I'm glad that we were able to come up with something, but here's another question for you. What does this look like for your work environment as far as conversations go? And here's a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention, right? So one thing is nobody has to know anything. You don't have to, you don't owe it to anybody. You don't owe anybody an explanation. <clears throat> excuse me, an explanation on what's going on. You don't have to tell Sally over in the men's department, like, hey, you might catch me, uh, you know, not working 40 hours a week because I know that you clock my out. You know, like, you don't have to do that. But, um, you know, do you want to tell people? Do you, what do you plan on telling people if you do? And I just want to be on the same page as your leader so that I can understand if there's gossip going on and I can stop it, or no, these are conversations that I had. Because understand that as your leader, I will not be having conversations about you and your health with the team. It's not up for me to go ahead and share with them what you have going on and what accommodations have been made and why, because that's nobody's business but your own. And so if those conversations are happening, you need to understand also that it's not through me that they're happening, that it's because it was shared from you to somebody and I want to understand where that trail stops and where it starts um, so that I can partner with you in what your treatment is. And what happens from there, 
I've seen um, spiral out of control because then you have the group of people that overhear something, right? Or they overhear a piece of it and they put together a story and then it becomes favoritism. It becomes, um, you know, the leader just doesn't know how to lead the team and they don't know how to take care of like the squeaky wheel or they only pay attention to the squeaky wheel, the one that is a quote unquote, using your air quotes, I'm gonna steal that, um, you know, that is perceived as a problem because the team doesn't know. Because when people don't know things, they search for answers or they create a story so that they can wrap their head around it, right? And not all of the intentions are negative, but for the most part, if the employees feel that they're missing out on an opportunity, then the perception is is that, um, you know, everything is not being handled. People aren't, they don't know how to run the business. I'm not gonna stay here any longer because people are favored, yada, yada, yada. And I think that's gonna turn into, how do you talk to those employees that are not being accommodated and yet, don't understand what's going on and they're creating a different kind of environment for the rest of the team aside from the environment that's already going on with the other half of the team that has the accommodations. I think that's a good jumping off point for the, and you said the other half of the team, but the the half of the team that doesn't have an accommodation. It's a good jumping off point for that conversation. And I think we've covered a lot of great ground here for talking to leaders about how they interact with employees that need support, that need some extra TLC. And how do I identify it? And how do I identify it? Um, Not in all cases. Sorry. Just like in in just a couple of things to look out for uh, and create awareness in your workplace. And... And no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> and now we have a, uh, a a second conversation, which is how do you uh, address and how do you um, approach the team that is potentially, whether it's gossiping or if it's not gossiping, it's um, feeling a certain type of way about the fact that there are people on the team that get in a, that seemingly get different treatment for whatever reason. How do you address that? How do you address people that aren't in the know and so they start creating their own stories and then it turns into this like snowball and avalanche of other scenarios that people want to be in the know about and have information on like uh, not only why people have accommodations but why salaries are different or why um, someone is a leader when they never see them working or all the good things. Like we got all this stuff to talk about on the next episode. Yeah. So that, um, and other things, I think this is going to be kind of like a, a series on the, uh, the different types of mental health interactions that you can have at work. Um, specifically right now we've been focusing on leaders, but there are a lot of aspects that we want to get into. So, for now, we're going to close it out by saying that um, awareness is key. You want to um, approach everything with empathy and an open mind, assume positive intent, and be sure to reach out to us on TikTok at the underscore IO underscore shrink. And uh, subscribe, like, and share. Thank you. Thank you.